Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Nikki. And you're listening to Through the Thick and Thin Red Line. A podcast intended to shed light on firefighter issues inside the firehouse and outside the firehouse. We're definitely not mental health professionals or have any professional training or certification in mental health. But we do have experiences. So if you're intending to use this for the sole purpose of entertainment or just to relate to an issue that you may be encountering, we're here for you. We hope that you enjoy this and it's going to be great. And so I'm rolling on two rock stars right now and a pumpkin spice latte. And did you know that they've already, it's, what, what's the date today? November 12th. They don't do pumpkin spice, they're already in the Christmas bullshit. They already took away pumpkin spice? They already did. Now it's all, um, <coughs> excuse me, it's all um, gingerbread stuff. I would not know that because Gingerbread I, and mint stuff. I don't like Starbucks. Where do you go for coffee? I like Dutchies. Yeah? I do, but I feel like this whole like pumpkin spice target trip, not me. Yeah. I know. So I go on my motorcycle because I'm a hard ass like that. I do own and a pair I... of Ugg boots though. Oh, that's what's so, up. I guess, yeah, I am a little white. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a little white. <laughs> not, not much. White. Nikki, we haven't put anything out in a really long time and I'm really glad that we're doing this and I'm really glad that we're here. I know, sorry guys. October was a little hectic, but actually it really wasn't for me because I took a lot of time off of work, but... How long did you take off? I took a whole month off. A whole month? I did. I just had to burn some leave and I I just took some time to like relax, catch up with family. You had to burn that sick leave, huh? Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was annual. Everybody's going to tell the staff now. Everybody's like, oh, where's she going? Oh, look at her. Yeah, no. So that was nice. Yeah? I definitely needed that. It was like a... I feel like, you know how like you hard reset a phone? I feel like I like hard reset myself. Yeah. So that was nice. How was it coming back? Uh, it was kind of weird. Not gonna mm. lie. Cause I was like, I still know how to do this, right? No, I'm just Right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes if I take a, a, like more than one tour off, I usually come back and I'm like, how do I, wait. Oh, yeah, here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> Where's my name tag? Yeah, let's break the door. I mean the lake. All right, well, we're back. Um, yeah, it was a busy month. I uh, had a lot of learning going on and I had a lot of things in life going on. And uh, no, it was a good reset because even even that, like it got you away from talking about things that we do on here. Mm -hmm. Good reset. That's awesome. It was. Just a little break. We won't do that too again though. Our bad. I think I'm going to do that next year. I think I should take an entire month off <laughs> and just drive Sinaida nuts on how I'm not going to work. She's going to be like, uh, can you get the fuck out of here, please? No, she will. Oh, no, she will. You got to go. You can't like, stay here. Later. You know what I want to do, though? I just want to set up, like, camp in the middle of a forest, and everybody's probably just like, Jesus Christ, you know nothing about the outdoors. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But I just want to sit there and do nothing. Just pure survival. Naked and afraid. Do you watch The Office? I'm, <sighs> I know the gifs. Yeah, he, like, goes out in the middle of nowhere, of nowhere and tries to, like, defend himself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. Shit. He made it like work. he made it like three hours, I think. I have three people that could get me out of a, a forest on the quicks, and I probably <laughs> have to call them. 
No, I like camping. I like doing all that, but I would just want to sit there forever and not have to worry about anything. Just vanish, disappear, mm -hmm. just disappear. I'll probably last, I don't know, one, maybe two hours. I was going to say one, maybe two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, let's cut this shit. You got question of the week. What are we doing this, this episode? Question of the week is, what is your most embarrassing moment on a fire? And that's it. <laughs> this was a good episode. Guys, let's wrap this up and stay tuned for the next one. That bad, huh? You know, people are going to say, oh, this was totally scripted. This was totally scripted. They must have talked about this. It's not. Yeah, because I have no idea what you're about to say. Yeah, I know. You're right. It involved you. Me? Yeah. Falling flat on my ass. Oh, I remember that. It was that, that New Year's Eve fire oh, yeah. at the trailer. And it was a small one, but we could still see the fire through the window and the curtains had caught. And mm -hmm. I think, I suspect, it was like a cell phone charger that short the outlet shorted out. <laughs> well, we rolled up, and you know how this story fucking goes. Oh, I know. I was there, so I got God damn it. front row seat. I'm just going to say, I pulled that cross leg and I was already going. I was... I was in, I was in the zone. I like the confidence. It was it was I, there. I was going. You know what I mean? I was going. And then I remember I turned around because you know how we do fire hose origami <laughs> and we did the little V split thing. And uh I remember like I felt a tie rod like coming up on my heel or something. And I know it's a tie rod now. And when I turned around to lay the hose down, all I felt was this fucking semi truck of you running smack right into me now that was my bad it's at night it was i hadn't had lasik yet i didn't have my contacts in i didn't, Dude, have, my, I didn't have my glasses you on you were pissed and all i felt was boom and everything just moved in slow motion it's like when you get in a car accident and I just remember turning around and I didn't see your face. All I saw was whiteness and blur. And I just yelled out, you motherfucker. You're and, like, and what I, the fuck I are you like, doing? I was like, who just pummeled me into the ground onto this tie rod and herniated five of my vertebrae. And I, I heard them crack. I heard them crack. Got my name on them now. It threw me off. Mm -hmm. And I turned around and I was like, it's you. It's you. What are you even doing? I looked like a turtle, didn't I? You did. You got right. stuck on your tank. Mm -hmm. You were just kind of... You know what's even more embarrassing? Is it as I was trying to like untangle this hose and <laughs> figure out my life in these next like one minute, in this next mm -hmm. one to two minutes, I didn't even turn off the fire. The truckies did. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, with a can. I do remember. With a can. In fact, I have a picture with that person and I think that's going to be our cover art for this episode. I... And he's smiling and I'm there pouting. I thought I was going to get the silent treatment from you for like a week. I was like, he's real mad. No, I can give you the silent <laughs> treatment for like a minute. I'm just, it's going to be. <laughs> See? Yeah, I'll just talk at your own. Don't worry. I'll get you to talk. Don't you worry. I mean, to be fair, I went to go pull the line. Yeah. Because they were like, just pull a line to the window just in case. Because mm -hmm. that's where the window, or that's where the fire was, was right inside of that window in the front. And... Like I went to pull it and I wanted to get like more, I guess like 
I went straight out and then turned in to go to, towards the door and mm -hmm. I had my back turned. Yeah, well you and I both <laughs> had our back turned because it must have been when I threw it off my shoulder and then mm -hmm. turned around, that's when all fucking U-Haul truck of you just came and <laughs> threw me on my ass. Oh my God. And then I just look up and I was like, who saw that? And everybody did. Every Everybody had to. You know. Most what, embarrassing, most embarrassing. What's crazy though is that I know the Cowboys called me last year to be in the NFL draft, but I was like, you know what? I can't, I can't leave behind my job. It's okay. I'm just kidding. Go sports. Go sports. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, what's your most embarrassing moment? Um, I feel like there's too many to count, so pick the right one. You know what? They should just make a, a bloopers video of me. <laughs> They're not even going to let me ride on the engine anymore. They're just going to give me a little go-kart nice. to go around the city. You put lights on that thing, I'm on it. I'll respond to all these calls. I don't care. <laughs> just me and my little go-kart. Um, so, we were transporting a patient to the hospital, and we are going back to the station, mm -hmm. and... As we were coming down the street, we ended up being straight onto the street that the fire was on. So mm -hmm. we just hauled ass down there. And we ended up flipping a UE and I got out of the like passenger side to go put my bunker gear on. Because mm -hmm. we were in our like EMS pants. You were on the squad? I was. On the ambulance? The ambulance. Um and so like under our EMS pants, we wear like PTs. So yeah. I just took those off and I was like in shorts and I was standing in the middle of the road and I put my like first foot into my boot and my second one and I suddenly hear like the door shut and I turned to the right and I was like, oh no. I was oh like, boy. and I heard it like start taking off and I'm like, no, 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 please <laughs> don't leave me here. <laughs> like in the middle of the road. And he took off, I guess, cause we were, they were gonna pull the next engine right there for the hydrant. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, he just straight took off without me and I was standing in the middle of the road with my pants down, like a deer in the headlights <laughs> and everybody was taking pictures of me because there was traffic like super backed up oh, and people were like snapping pictures and I was like, oh my God, no. And then I had to run down the street to the fire. Did you have your pants up yet? No, I was still putting them Oh, up. that's great. I'm already picturing this. Yeah. It just, it didn't work out the way I thought it was going to, but I made it there. You know what? And I Somewhere still... on Community Watch. Yes. And the worst part was, is that I always forget to put my suspenders on. Always. I hate it. And so, just sure enough, suspenders off. I started doing that now. Good. I don't wear my suspenders anymore. No. But then my pants do fall. Do they? Mm-hmm. Tighten them up. I accidentally... Get some smaller pants. You dropping weight? Maybe. I'm losing go. a little bit of weight. Nice. I'm happy with it. Yeah, fuck yeah. But I definitely was using my old lieutenant suspenders because we washed our gear one time and I mm. think he took mine and I took his and he's like six foot three. And I was like, why are these so long? And I, I look over Meanwhile, at him. Meanwhile, his pants are like a nipple length. <laughs> <laughs> I look over at him and I'm like, hmm. There it is. It's a good look for you. Yeah. <laughs> so I always, every fire I would go to, my battalion chief would look at me and he's like, did you forget something? And I was like, mm, I don't know, did I? And did he's like, you? Your suspenders. 
Like, are we ever gonna get that right? I'm like, probably not. Probably not. I feel like he was gonna make me. It looks cool. It's a statement. You know, without the jacket, maybe, but with the jacket, yeah, I look like a fucking moron. Yeah. I've had a problem with the suspenders. I just took them off one time. <clears throat> yeah. I feel like my battalion chief was gonna hold his hand out and be like, give them to me so you can learn to put them on right. And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so. Here you go. Sorry. Your tirantes. I got them taken away. So, um,. What I want to talk about today, moving forward, is calls. And so, not necessarily war stories, not like one-uppers. It's more of the call that we maybe kind of struggled with the most. Okay. Not the, what's the worst thing you've ever seen, quote-unquote, cliche right, right. bullshit. It's more of, um, which one affected us the most? Mm -hmm. How did we deal with it? something that almost maybe kind of they talk about the career calls but more so just defined us as healthcare providers as firefighters um and even when we come home just as people um mm -hmm. so we talk about calls at the kitchen table at the sacred kitchen station table um and there's a lot of times that we tell these stories and they're goofball stories. Like, I don't know how many times after you knocking me on my ass, I told that story. Right. I told, that's a good memory. I know. That's a good memory. And everybody laughs and jokes. And there's a lot of times where we do talk about calls, but it was more so of a learning experience. Medical, fire, so on and so forth. It was, it's something that we can all learn from. Mm -hmm. And so, what do we say? Two hours, market, training, right? Right. But... Um, I did read this thing that said you should never ask a first responder what their worst call was. You should ask them what their most rewarding call was. <clears throat> and I found that interesting. And you know, the funny part of that is the call that I'm going to share is the, that double-edged sword. Yeah. One of the, wor the worst, but it was rewarding once I was able to put things in perspective. Mm -hmm. um, which is very difficult for me to do. Um, so this time of year is always a little difficult, right? When we're going into Christmas, okay. Thanksgiving, the holidays, it's always difficult for me. And one, it's because, um, I'm kind of the relationships in my family and stuff like that. Like everybody has their own family. People grow apart. I live over here in Cruces. You know, I've always missed my dad since I was 10 and there's, you know, my grandparents are dead. Um, you know, just family all over the place and it's really hard to I miss that you know mm -hmm. what I mean I miss that when I was a kid uh not to not to deter that I don't have a good Christmas with my kids at the, at the house and Snyder and all that stuff but it's usually difficult because the call happened around this time and it involved a a, a girl that was essentially my daughter's age right now she was about 12 or 13 years old oh okay and um, she was uh, physically assaulted um, by a member of the household. And going, going into that, it's, it's weird because I'm working, I'm still working in that same district. And even more so like when I can smell the wood burning at night right, and it's cold, mm -hmm. it just comes right back to me. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to this little girl's house. I'm going right there. Like she lives just a couple of blocks that way. 
or lived at the time. But in my head, I'm like, I'm going. This is this mm-hmm. is when it happened. It's crazy to not realize how many triggers are around you. Right, and it's funny. What was, it, what was the first thing I mentioned? Smell. Yes. Like I can just smell that and that. Smell, that. taste, see. That stuff. olfactory Here. system is hardwired so direct into our memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but we ended up showing up and, you know, there were, she wasn't that bad. But one of the things that I had noted the most about this call was one who could do that to this little girl. And she was very strong through it. She wasn't crying. She wasn't. She didn't have like the deer in the headlight look. She wasn't withdrawn. She just like, this has almost happened before. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that uh, she pointed out and it stuck to me, and this is kind of like what shifted years in that call was she had said, can you just make sure that me and my brother and my sister don't split up? Mm -hmm. And so that kind of cued me in like, she's been through the system. Yeah. Something. She's been through foster care. She's been through all that. And, uh, you, you know, she wasn't she wasn't badly hurt. There were no life threatening injuries, thank God. But the connection that I had made with her was it was something that 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 moment it was almost like it was only her and I that were in that room mm-hmm. because as strong as she was being, I knew that there was a lot going inside of her heart. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of things going through her mind, and all she cared about was her brother and her sister. And it cued me in even more, like, you were raising your younger brother and your yeah. sister, and you're 13. Like, you don't even care about what happened to you. You She's just... Putting the other You first. just know that there's a social worker coming. Mm-hmm. This is what my brother and my sister need. Don't split us up. I don't want to go to the hospital if I don't want to. Um, and all of that, like, who, what 12, 13-year-old girl thinks like that? Mm-hmm. Who thinks like that? And uh, the ambulance is a little way out. And so I had a chance to sit there and talk to her. And we really connected. And one of the things also that she had asked me if uh, was if I had kids of my own. And I said, yeah, you know, I have two boys and I have uh, a daughter. And I want to say maybe she was about four at the time. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, wow. She's like, I bet you're a pretty good dad, huh? And I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Just those feels were coming out. Yeah. And we were sitting on our floor in the living room and, uh, you know, gloves off. Like, when I know I'm I'm about to to make connections with people, gloves off. Mm -hmm. And I sat down there with her and um, I told her, I was like, well, you know, I'd like to think so. And she wanted to see pictures. She wanted to see pictures. And she said, yeah. She's like, your kids are lucky. She's like, they're lucky to have a dad like you. And this is, again, this is her moment, right? Like, right. I'm trying not to make this it's about me. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I need to go hurt myself now, right? Yeah. Um, and so we developed that bond on scene. And I felt that I developed a great sense of trust with her just based on how I was communicating with her, on how she was not comforted. Um, and if anybody were to ever ask me one day, um, you know, like what the most valuable thing on a fire engine is, I wouldn't even say water. What is I, it? The little, the stuffed animals oh, and the little yeah. blankets that we have. Oh yeah. Because exactly. when they loaded her in the ambulance, mm-hmm. there was this like little Halloween gothic, little plush blanket, little fuzzies in there and everything that were donated to us. 
And she was like, oh my God, I've always wanted one of those. I saw one of those blankets at Hot Topic and I always wanted one of those, but I can never afford one of those. And she's like, do you work at the fire station there at, at you know, at, right at the corner? And I was like, yeah, I do. And she's like, I promise I'll take it back. And I was like, honey, this is yours. Oh. Like, this is yours. But she was so grateful for it. Mm -hmm. So grateful for it when they loaded her. And when she had left scene, that's when, like I, like I tell people, that moment is for the patient. When I go back to the station, this is what I'm going to deal with. Yeah. And I had dealt with everything in that scene for years since it happened. And this happened maybe like seven years ago. Dealt with it day in, day out. And still stays with you. It just stayed with me because I mm -hmm. always wondered, like, I started kind of, I don't want to say catastrophizing. I was counterfactual thinking. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -mm. So... Counterfactual thinking is um, kind of how we're just drawing different conclusions rather than what actually happened. Oh, okay. So I started doing that as in, did her life get worse? Is she going to recover from this? This is the worst night of her life. But I had to go back and reason. And years after that, I had to say that may have been the worst thing that have happened to, had happened to that little girl. But it was probably the best thing that she was back in the system because this may have saved her life. Right. And the physical anguish, the emotional anguish, that is something that may have stopped that night. And But for years on end, for years on end, whenever Christmas came up, whenever the holidays would come up, I would look at my kids, Nikki, and I would say to myself, like, you guys don't know what's out there like it's crazy what we take for granted right and i almost felt guilty mm -hmm. you know what i mean i felt guilty for giving my kids this life right and saying you don't know what other children out there are going through you don't know what you don't know what bad parents are and it's so hard because they haven't seen what you have seen right so, obviously well i don't want them to either yeah and so it's hard for them to understand that so, and you know the the funny thing was is that I've I've shared that story and the the story actually has a lot more detail in it. Um, we just don't have the time to talk about it. But if anybody wants to talk about it with me, I gladly will. Um, I the blood and guts really doesn't get to me. Uh, I have noticed when people start to like dry heave, I start doing it with them. I can't Do help you, it. Really, really. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. Poop and vomit doesn't get to me, but you know what will? There's all, everybody has a smell. Okay. Like they just can't. Oh yeah, I have the smell. What is it? So, my, it's not necessarily the smell. It's okay. So we, when we go on lift assists, and if there's an individual there that has to be lifted from the back, and I, you know, I got to squat down and wrap my arms under oh. them, it's. I don't want to say that it's absolutely the most disgusting thing. It's this is just me. This is right. just me, and Everybody's I will different. I will do this regardless because it's my <laughs> fucking job. It's my job, and I signed on for this. Right. But it's putting my forearms under their underarms, and then lifting them up. Is it because of the back or because of the armpits? It's the armpits. Okay. It's the armpits. Okay. It's definitely that. So sometimes when I go in, I'll be like, "Sir, ma'am, do you have two towels I can borrow?" <laughs> And they're like, yeah, and I put them over my underarms, and that's just me. That's just yeah. one of my things. I can, if they vomit on me in, in the back of the squad, if they vomit in on me on scene, they cough in my face, and they have co 
whatever. I'm fine with it. Really? I'm perfectly fine with it. But it's the underarms. Yeah, no. Again, I have a thing with smell. Mm-hmm. And knowing me, I'll just, I'll like drive back and I'll just be like, yep, that smells. Yep, that smells. <laughs> you can't get rid yep, of it. Yep, that smells. I'm like, I can't get rid of this. <laughs> no, mine is vomit. And it's not even like the smell of it. It's not the look of it. It's just when they do that action of like dry heaving, <clears throat> I can't. Like I will start doing it with them and it'll be like a competition. <laughs> is like, it like two aliens talking to each other? Yeah. Ah, ah. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Dude, and then I'm like, great, now we have two patients. Just check me into the other room. I don't care. But... So, uh, okay, going back. Ooh, that was a fucking veer off to Mars. Yeah. Leave our ADHD Um, I said to myself, like, was there something else that I could have done? Do you feel that way now? Absolutely not. Did you feel like it then? Yes. I feel like I didn't give her enough attention. Even though I was literally on the floor holding her hand, talking right. about her Christmas tree, um, kind of making her laugh, sharing my life with her, um, I just feel like, and, and even even today, I mean, she's grown up, obviously, and I s- often just think, like, is there something, if I were to come across her, would there be something that I would, what would I tell her? Would she even remember me? I well, think that's the hardest part is not having closure. Oh, there's absolutely no closure. That's that's the hardest, for sure. Because you know you did your job. You yeah. did the steps A, B, C, and D that mm-hmm. you were supposed to, right? But you'll never know until you cross that person again and you're like, hey, was there anything I could have done for you more? Or, or where are you at these days? Or stuff like that. That's the part that kills you. Because you're like, I never know where these people end up. And then if I were to get that closure, how much more closeness what I want to get yeah cause and then if, and then now I'm now I'm crossing the line yeah what if but also what if the closure is not what you wanted what if it's not good news right there's that too and then we'll see that implies that counterfactual thinking yeah but I, I would have a direct answer and then I would still feel more prone to help right because that's that's how we're that's how we're wired yeah to help I definitely could see that but uh Shortly after that, after that night, there was uh, there were some tough times, tough things that I had to do. Was put things into perspective. Like this happened. It was a shit night for mm-hmm. this little girl. Just you know. And it was a holiday. And it was a holiday. It's hard. And things just they could have gotten. They could, and hopefully they did get better after. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the thing that with me is I have kids. And so I see my kids in that. Yeah. And again, like I talked about the guilt. So how did you overcome this? Because I think that's a lot of this episode is how from this call did you move forward? So therapy helped out a lot. Okay. Um, I, I, so I write, you know that. Mm -hmm. And I wrote an entire, I want to say... 10 pages on how this call went and wrote it down on paper because that is my most way that is the best way for me to express things mm-hmm. some people some people paint some people you know what I mean right have other creative ways <clears throat> which they express their feelings mm-hmm. with me it's writing and I wrote this entire call and I my therapist well no who was it that told me this it's not it wasn't my current therapist but I journaled things out in a conversation with her 
almost like a script, like kind of like a play, mm-hmm. as to what she would say and what I would tell her and my feelings towards her and what happened and the type of life that I would hope she would have. And I journaled that all out. And it's it's an entire script that I have in a notebook. Um, and every once in a while, I bring it out and I read it. Because that little girl, I mean, an angel. And I really just try to not sabotage the outlook that I would hope would that she would have in life, positive outlook. I try not to sabotage it and say, well, she ended up doing this. You know, she's on the streets. She's into drugs. She's a drinker. She's maybe also an abusive parent. Like, I try not to sabotage that with only saying, I hope that she was able to find the strength to turn this entire thing around. Right. That was it. So, reading into PTSD a little bit, some of the signs that I thought were interesting, and I'm just curious if you had some of these. Yeah. So, the one that, it was almost like work fatigue, but also like decreased empathy. Have you ever experienced something like that Mm, with PTSD? Yes. Okay, so I think that that falls into burnout as well, but... I just found that interesting because I think it's not even necessarily when we get tired, but being tired of traumatic events can turn you that way. Yes. It can make you, like people are crying in front of you and people are having the worst day of their life and you're just standing there like, it's not even that you don't care, but you're just so numb to it at that point that you're like, I don't even know how to react anymore. I have no feeling. Right. And I always thought that was interesting because I can see it a lot with the guys and the girls. Um, with me, based on based on COVID, mm-hmm. running the same call exactly. over and over again, and people, I mean, being on their deathbed, people not... I, the skill set and what I had to do was still there. Mm-hmm. And the attention that I gave was still appropriate. But I feel that if I'm the emotional part of me was not there. Right. And it was because of the burnout. Now, empathy towards other patients based on this little girl. I mean, there were, there's grown-ups that call us too. Right. And they have their issues. And because we're human, you know what I mean? That human side of us sometimes doesn't just turn off as easy when we're doing this job. Mm-hmm. There were some th- times to where the emotion and I guess the the quote unquote what's the Spanish word cariño mm-hmm. yes with people was not there. Oh, so respectful, very yes. respectful. My skill set, treatments, and the attention to the patient never deterred away from what I was supposed to do. Right. But the emotional investment that I was having with these people to maybe not feel sorry, but get that. You know, to have that connection, that was not there because in my head I said to myself, there's a little girl out there. Right. And it's Christmas, and she was 12 years old, and she was a hell of a lot stronger than what you are right now. Right. And so that's hard because you start comparing that traumatic event to others. Yes. So that's that's one thing that could start to happen. Um, Annoyance, like when others panic, because 
the interesting part about that is that we're so used to being in the trauma mm-hmm. and dealing with traumatic events that when other people start panicking, we're just like, well, we're just so used to it. Like, right. It, it starts to annoy people. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting because I'm like, I've seen it happen. And it's not that we don't care. It's just that we're just so used to it. Like desensitized? Yeah. So like what's traumatic to somebody else is just so normal to us. And that it's kind of fucked up when you think about it. Well, it makes me worried because yeah. not only like us as providers, us as firefighters, not only is it affecting us within the job, but this afternoon I saw this video on Facebook about this, like it was, uh, it was at an air show and these people were on a lake mm-hmm. and this plane was going down and these pilots ejected from it. And all I was doing was watching this video over and over again, listening to these people panic on camera. And they're like, oh, I got all that on camera. I got all that on camera. I'm like, okay, cool hero. Like maybe you should get off and, you know, get on your boat and go pick up those pilots that just fell into the lake that ejected and hopefully they're still alive. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's our mindset that we're trained to be calm when there's chaos. Yes. But how much more are we becoming desensitized when we're not at work? By me spending like 15 minutes replaying that video and saying, mm-hmm. well, this is this is the most amazing thing that's ever been captured on film. Yeah. And we're becoming more and more, um, I don't want to say rigid. Well, yeah, maybe rigid to disaster, right. to trauma. And what does that what does that say about us as people in general? Like what we're headed to? Mm-hmm. That's the even like you said the more fucked up part. Yeah, I agree. Um, an example would be when you roll up to a motor vehicle accident. Mm-hmm. Everybody around there like is in panic, yes. and it could be just a simple like fender bender, right? But to them, it's a huge moment. Like it's right. like I saw this accident, and and I'm here to help, and stuff like that. And we kind of just roll up and we try to take that control of like, all right, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. But we're in complete calm. And I think it throws people off like that. Because yes. they're like, why are you panicking? Like, I'm panicking. Well, we're there to bring stability, right? Right. And there have there have been calls to where, you know, family and friends, they're in that panicking moment. And a simple, I need you in that room. Right. I need you just to but stay here. But we don't here. do it to offend you. No. You know what and, I mean? And, and after the call... I will have that that little minute or two to right. say, I'm sorry that I came in that way, but I needed to remove you the best way I knew how and be firm with you in order for me to do my job to help this person. Right. And I did not mean any disrespect in your house. And I've done that tons of times because right. I come across just so boldly. Yeah, strong. And, and also for them, because I think they're so panicked that I'm like, I think they just need a second to calm down. Absolutely. And then they feel better. Yeah. And they're like, I was just so wrapped up in it that I couldn't focus. Yeah, we chose this job. They didn't. There's a yeah. reason why they're calling us. Yeah. Um, have you, uh, do you have a call? Do you I have do. something of the sort? I do. Mine was actually recently. It was about, it was about four months ago. So mm. it's still kind of fresh. I was working on the squad and I had been with one of my squad buddies. Yeah. That I really, my squadino, that I really enjoy working with. And we always have a good time. We're always like bumping music, hanging out, laughing, stuff like that, cracking jokes. So it was a good day. Mm -hmm. And we got called out for a seizure call. 
Okay. And not to get too much into it, but this kid that we ran was dealing with something. It wasn't a seizure. It was just him trying to cope with being told that he was going to be separated from his sister. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. Like, Very. So <clears throat> I actually live pretty close to the facility that we run. Mm -hmm. And so every day I drive past this same facility and I try to not think about that kid, which is not healthy, right? Like I should think about it and process it and move through it. And long story short, these kids were, I don't want to get into too much detail, but these kids were sex trafficked and okay. they were being placed in foster care. But they had been missing for like months. Yeah. And this poor kid, like he just, all he had was a backpack with him and that's it. Like, and he was like, I'm, I just need to take care of my sister. I can't be separated from her. I need her. And they had stuck together for however long that they were going through that situation. But not so much about their story. And there was some details that I changed and did take out just so that they wouldn't be tied to... You know, we have like HIPAA calls and yeah, violations yeah. and stuff like that. But I remember my partner walked in and was talking to the lady that was there. And she was trying to explain to us like, hey, this is what the situation we have. And I remember looking at his face and him being a little like thrown off. Like, what are we dealing with right now? I'm, I'm confused. So I stayed with this kid and he walks out of the room and when he came back, I saw like just a change in his face. Mm -hmm. So then I become more confused because I'm like, what are we dealing with right now? I'm trying to figure it out. And so that's when he had told me like, hey, these kids have gone through this. And the more the call went on, because we were on scene for probably like close to 25 minutes. Yeah. Just comforting this kid and trying to get him like um, I can't even say like comfortable in a situation, but just enough to like talk, you know what I mean? So we're kind of just sitting there next to him and stuff like that. And I could see like my partner's eyes tearing up and I was like, oh man, like it's happening to me. Like I was trying to keep it together the whole time. I was trying to talk to this kid, but I would like tip my head back and like I could feel the tears just sinking into the back of my head because I was like, don't let him out. Like, don't show any weakness in front of this kid. And that fucked me up because I was like, man, I I had never tried to hold back from crying so hard in my life, but I couldn't do it in front of him. Yeah. Because I was like, he is already going through it, you know? And his emergency <clears throat> is not my emergency. It's just me. I have to be there for him to help him. And so... We get we finish the call, and we tell him like, "Hey, we're just up the street. If you need anything, you call us back. Mm -hmm. Like we will be here in a heartbeat. Don't you worry." And so, we end up leaving the call, and I will never know what happened to those kids. I know that they were separated, but I don't know from here on out whatever, like, their rest of their story is. I don't even think they know who their parents are, you know what I mean? Right. Like, they were taken, and that's hard. Right. So... What do you think the outcome is? Like, what, like when you were, when you were, have, when you were in there, when you were in this call, like, 
smack in the middle of this. What do you view as the outcome for children like that? Oh, I, you know, I don't know. Like, right. that's, that's the worst part. For me, when I was in the middle of that call, I was like, oh my God, I want them to stay together. Like, I'll adopt both of them. Oh my God. Like, this was breaking my heart as I was watching this kid cry. I went home and I told Sonita the same thing. I said, we have a little girl we need to adopt. Yeah. And she's like, are you nuts? And I was like, you don't understand. Right. You're like, I don't, you don't know what I saw. Yeah, I know. But, and they were young. Like, these kids were young kids. And it just, I can't even explain just watching somebody so broken like that. Yeah. It just fucked me up. And so, even my partner, like, I remember getting into the squad and he like puts it in a drive, pulls to the back of the building, puts it in park, and we just sit there quietly and we're just crying. Yeah. And we're just letting it fall out. Like we just couldn't hold it in anymore. And he has kids. So I know like that sat with him differently than it would have for me. Right. But it just, and the little boy was a little similar to my little brother's age. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of, that one hit a little close to home too. But I just remember like crying and crying. And this is how well, like, it's important that you know your, who you're working with because you know how to get them out of this shit, right? right? Like how to work with them, how to talk to them, how to, you know, when to give them space. Mm -hmm. What'd you do? I remember he just like drove <laughs> to Sonic and like pulled into the Sonic parking lot and he's like, we need a corn dog. And I was like, we need a corn dog, <laughs> like, please. And so we just sat there quietly and ate, went back to the station, like didn't say much for the, I mean, he was torn up the rest of the tour. And so was I, like it just, it killed me. So you know how we have like a rehab time after fires? Mm -hmm. Okay. I think you know where I'm going. I think your face just little because you know where I'm going with this. Right. After calls like that, we really don't take the time to process that because after so after fires because you know the the whole cancer protocol and the de the the, uh, yeah, the like decon decon change out your bunker gear, take a shower, roll mm -hmm. the hose, like make sure you hydrate, all of that stuff. Get everything back in order. We, we have the, the behind the engine talk, the quote unquote, the beaver tail talk about how this call went. We have the ups and the downs and this went great and the battalion chief is there and, and, and we process everything that happened in the fire. And with us, to me at least, fires are, it's just more operational based. Right. To me, like, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that I don't feel bad for anybody whose home has burned. You know what I mean? That it's horrible. But, um after that call or after mine there was really no time to decon mm -hmm. to quote unquote decon our feelings right. to talk our way through this call because right after that one guess what hey man we got another call we gotta go to this one's off of uh, X street or whatever and we just go to the next one and we leave all of this shit unchecked yeah. for it to fester and build mm -hmm. up and for it to go unchecked. But we do that with fires, but we don't really adhere to it with calls. I will say, though, that now um, we are now very keen to 
to peer support and going down that avenue mm -hmm. to that. But whenever we're done with a, an EMS call, what's the button we push? We go available. Right. We go available. Now, I we do... We need like a, a button for like... I always wanted to hit the donut button. Have you ever seen the... the no, it's the Dunkin' Donut coffee button. <laughs> no, I have not. When you go back to work looking at it, it's a coffee... Yeah, it's I, a watch, coffee Watch, it's going to be like a fucking Mayday thing, Send and I'm going to be like, oops. No, 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 no. It's a cup of coffee. Uh, I've always wanted to hit that, by the way. Oh, I'll do it for you. Don't worry. Thanks. Yeah. And, I'll uh, let you know how it turns out. <laughs> but the avenue that we're going down now in the department with mental health, um, I'm so glad that... The peer support is there to help that. But I do want to emphasize that just because it's not it's not a, a traumatic call like a 10-car pileup or decapitated bodies, something as simple as this little girl and those feelings, mm -hmm. that, that call that was just such a, a run-of-the-mill response. It wasn't like an extra response. A battalion chief didn't show up. Several units didn't show up. It was just myself mm -hmm. and my partner even those little things that hit home people need to voice that just the way you read your partner mm -hmm. my partner was able to read me mm -hmm. still went to the next call but we discussed this like several days later yeah and it was in between the calls that we tried to like reset yeah and i know this individual doesn't mind me talking about this because He's very into mental health. Yeah. However, as the calls went on through that tour, I saw it happen in my partner. We ran a couple other calls, and the very last one that we ran that tour, he was very irritable. Mm -hmm. He was just like, why are we running this? And blah, blah, blah. Like, he was just upset, and I could tell. And I, he told me, he was like, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with me. Right. Like, he just fell off. I could tell. And I know him. He's like... One of the was best your, patient care. And so I know that you're very supportive with those people that you work with. But what was what was something that you told him? Um, or was there anything that you told him or did you just kind of let him? I mean, I had to just constantly check on him. And, and that can get annoying for somebody, I'm sure, too. But like, hey, are you good? I'm good. We're good. Like, that's pretty much the mentality that we had. Like, even when we came in for the next shift, he looked at me. He's like, you okay? And I was like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm okay. Then we're okay. So, and it's not even good because we're not good. Like we're still processing through this stuff. Yeah. But I do remember we went back to the station and ran another call. And then after that one, we dropped him off at the hospital. And it was already like evening time, but it was a uh, like summer evening time, so it was nice. We put the windows down and we we're just kind of jamming music, and we just drove, like we drove mm -hmm. around the city and just the feeling of fresh air like i just remember closing my eyes and like tipping my head back the same way that i was feeling that emotion with that that kid right yeah. but it was weird because when i tipped my head back and i felt like the wind just blowing on my face i was like i'm human like i'm alive like it's okay to feel it's okay like you deserve your own feelings i was just in that moment just trying to feel it all yeah and it was it was a lot because I was still sad and heartbroken and stuff like that. And even him, like, he told me he went home and, like, that feeling. Have you ever, this is kind of interesting, but have you ever, like, tried to comfort somebody and you put your hand on them and you almost feel like that emotion sticks to you? Yeah. Okay. 
So he told me that's was that was something that he was going through. He was experiencing like that darkness and sadness that that kid was going through. He felt like it was stuck to him. And he, when we came back to shift, he was like, I don't know, Nikki, like this feeling, like I just can't feel like love or happiness or pain or anything. I just feel like sad, like dark. And it was good for him to open up to me like that because I was like, damn, this guy's like, open about his feelings and mental health and stuff like that and it was something that i knew like okay we're still gonna work on this some more like let's talk it out and honestly like my hat off to anybody who works in like fostering children yeah that's hard oh yeah that dude they have hours to have to endure that i can't like that one call just fucked me up i can't imagine and even on that call i felt bad because the lady was like telling the child like it is what it is i'm sorry like i'm sorry this is how it is and stuff and they just can't get too attached i have a friend who works in that same field and i ended up calling her right after that call and i asked her like how do you not get attached to the kids like how do you how do you know you're doing the right thing and she said well as long as you feel like you did the job the best you could that's how you have to sleep at night God, that's killing me. Like, right. I even that wasn't good enough for me. I was like, no, I need to know. I need to know what happens with them and what's the next step. And she's like, I, you, you'll never know. One of the things I told myself about this young girl um, was many of the things that I told myself about this young girl um, was that for some reason in this world, whether it be spiritual, metaphysical, astrological, whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, this was a path. Mm-hmm. And this was her path. And I was merely just a, a conduit to the next step of her life, to a next chapter. And um, it's cliche, but all I could have was hope in the best positive outcome for her and that this would uh, manifest in a strength for her to be able to progress in life. Mm-hmm. Almost kind of, I don't want to say callousing, but the resiliency and the learning from it. Right. Um, my therapist, when we talked about this, uh, she had told me, you know, um, you know, if you could see her today, you know, what's what's one of the one of the things that you would want to tell her? The first thing that came to my mind was, "You're going to be an amazing mother." Mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from, and it, she asked me, and it's just bleh, it just came out. Just she's going to be an amazing mother. My therapist, well, what do you mean by that? And I was like, well, she knows what not to do, and she knows what it is to feel as a child that is mistreated. And that child of hers is going to be so adorned and loved by her and so protected that that's going to be one of the luckiest kids in this world to be so protected by that. Once I just vomited that, I didn't even know that was in me. Right. The clouds kind of started to separate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I was going through for, I don't want to say several years, but more than several years was intrusive memories. Right. And going through that every Christmas. 
um, one of the intrusive memories that I have is, you know, when you put fuel in your car and they have that little screen and there's always some fucking bullshit basketball or sports highlight. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, how do I turn this off? How do you mute this? How thing? do I turn this off? Yeah. I'm like, talk to me about my rewards. I don't want right. to, I don't want, I don't need this. Um, they yeah. had, a, they had a missing child. They're trying like, to distract alert. you from how much gas is. That's what they're trying to do. <laughs> Fuckers. Here's your tinfoil hat. You know how I know? You know how I know I'm getting to you? Yeah. The tinfoil. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about chemtrails. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was at one of the pumps, uh, I want to say three years ago, two years ago, three years ago, and they had like little posters of missing kids, little alerts, and this is this person's name, and this is their height, and blah, blah, and one of them was... One of the ones that came out was her, and it was around Christmas time. And my heart sank because I was just starting to to digest everything. I was just starting to make headway, and boom, staring me right in the face was that little girl on that notice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is just going to keep going on forever and ever and ever. Um, I, I don't know the outcome of that. I don't know... I don't know. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, they say kids, you know, missing kids, but they never give it. I've never seen an update. Right. Um, and that was one of the, um, another trait that I was going through, I was constantly checking up. Yeah. And I had to stop because yeah. every day I would want an update and it never stopped. And right. I said, I'm harming myself more doing this with the anticipation of not knowing. Yeah. Um, but that intrusive memory... One is pumping gas, and the other one is Christmas. And I have to learn to block that out. Those two. Those are your triggers. Absolutely. Yeah. I. Uh, one thing I will say about that call was when I went home after that tour, I remember coming back to my apartment, and I, like, curled up in a ball the same way like that kid was and I just remember crying and crying and telling myself like oh please take care of this kid like him and his sister and stuff like that like I don't know where they're going I don't know what's from here but just take care of them and I was more disappointed in myself why you know it was crazy because I was like oh I'm proud of myself for processing that emotion however why did it take me coming to my apartment alone and doing that it's your safe place it is. You can be who you want to be in this. It is. But I also had, you know, five other guys at my station that were constantly checking on me. And I kept telling them, I'm good. I'm good. We're good. You know? But in reality, I was not good. Right. And so I dealt it with it. And I think it's hard to show weakness in front of others. Very. Because if I would have done it differently, I would have cried in front of them. Yeah. I, I was okay with crying in front of my partner because we have that kind of relationship. Right. Like, we have that squad bond. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I should be okay with showing that same emotion to in everybody. front of everybody else. Right. And that was something that I did That learn. could have been maybe the doorway for others to share their Right. And maybe things. even my squad partner, like, maybe he wanted to show that emotion, but he was like, I gotta be the strong one. You know? I don't know. But... Yes, men. Yeah. Even women, too. It's kind of hard because we're like, if you show any emotion, you're afraid to be like, oh, what's the matter? You're moody today. What's the deal? 
Are what, you what? on your time of the month? What, like we what, hear it all, and honestly, thing, it's dumb. <clears throat> one thing that I always disagreed with was people who, um, and I know they mean the the best when they say it, but when somebody comes to me and says, "Are you okay?" That's like I hear you're expecting me to be okay, so I'm just gonna say I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the probie that we have right now, um, he listens to this too, and I. I no, he won't mind me sharing this, but he had come to me one of his first tours and said, uh, um, I've never, I've, sir, I've never seen a dead body. And I was like, you, 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 you're fucking what? That's how I was when I got on. I and I looked at him like he had worms coming out of his ears. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you talking? Oh, no, wait, no, 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 wait, this isn't fucking normal for new people. Like, yeah. Okay, man. Like it's a little shocking. Yeah. All right. Well, when we get there, we'll, we'll remember this is their moment. You will talk about this afterwards. If you need to excuse yourself, just you know, hey, I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go get the grid squares from the the fire engine. I'll be right back. I'm right. like that'll be our 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 bail. It's also crazy because there's a fear built up in that of like someday I'm gonna see this. Someday I'm gonna have to run this. Someday I'm gonna see a kid. You know. Yeah. And so you, in your mind, you're scaring your own self. Yeah. And you're like, I know what's coming. So that's... And he did. Yeah. He worked good through it. And after that, I I was about to go up and ask him, hey, you doing okay? But I went up to him and I asked him, how do, how do you feel about all this? Mm-hmm. And he, it was just that he was very open as to what he, how he was processing this. And he said, well, you know, this, this person was sick. Um, you know, he had, he had, you know, tons of people on scene. There were, you, got, you know, everybody did great treatment. Um, we got ROSC on this patient. And, you know, you know, the hospital, you know, things just may not have worked out in his favor. Um, but I kept, I think I kept my composure. And I was like, well, we're all a little amped up. You know, we're all a little, you know, that adrenaline's pumping. We want to do a good job. And, you know, we're battling time right now. And... You know, we're just trying to get ahead of the eight ball, and that's understandable. But it's it's when you're you're just reacting and not actually acting right appropriately. That you know, he's had several more since then, and uh, I always do my little check-ins, and it starts with, "How do you feel about that one? Where are we at with that? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that call." Other than, "Are you okay?" Hey Nikki, are you okay? Because I'm I'm wanting you to be okay, but I'm telling you like you need to be okay because right. that's what I'm asking you. I was like, no fucker, if you're <laughs> asking me that I'm okay, you obviously know something's wrong and I'm not okay. Yeah, I always ask people when they're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, what is good? Tell me, because I don't understand. Yeah. They're like, I hate when you fucking do that. I'm like, well, sorry. <laughs> um, but to wrap this up, just uh, some symptoms of PTSD, just so people are aware. So you can check on others around you and also check on yourself because maybe you have some of these symptoms. So fear, easily frightened. Um, Oh, yeah. You know what's funny? Feeling like being on edge. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Inability to trust others. Speaking about on edge, do they have the uh, Halloween, the lingering Halloween mask in your station where people just jump out of like dark places and scare the shit out of you? No, but I always, uh, I've gotten scared a couple times and I scream at the top of my head. (laughs) But I scream like a little mouse, and I feel like everybody's like, oh, God. <laughs> um, being impulsive. Let me tell you. Right? Um, I was about to buy a Hummer the other day. 
A Hummer. A Hummer. Like an actual vehicle. No kidding. I was about to buy a Hummer the other day. I haven't seen a Hummer in a hot minute. And uh, they're they're fucking cheap right now. They're super cheap. No shit. Um, Didn't they stop making them? They did. But the one I found had like 140,000 miles. It was an 09 for like 6,000. Ran great. I don't know why this guy was offloading it. It probably didn't have a title. I mean, who knows? You know, the hmm. gas gauge probably always said full, which kind of cues you into something <laughs> what they use this truck for. Um, but I was, I wanted, I, and what was I in? I was in the shit. I was in the shit. Impossible I felt thinking. I wanted to feel like I had accomplished something, and it took me a little bit to realize, here we go. We're going to start shopping soon. We're going to start dropping some oh, fucking money. It's a mental health awareness, right? And there you go. Um, our next one is lack of cause and effect thinking. Explain that one. Um, so I think like if you do this, this is what's going to happen. But if you have a lack of that, such as if I buy this Hummer, <laughs> or use it as an example. You're picking on me. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're not going to want to deal with the payments later, right? But you're like, I'm going to do this now, not thinking of the future of what you're going to have to deal with later. But you did it in that moment. Well, that is one thing that I told Sanita. I would have felt great for the next three days. And then I would have said, oh, fuck, I got a payment. I got another payment. You look in your driveway and you're like, well, I did that. But that yellow Hummer is fucking sick. <laughs> Such a dork. <laughs> um, we talked about this one. Uh, lack of remorse or empathy. Oh, yeah. Shutting down. I think we isolate a lot. I think. That one is a big one and um i think you and i call each other out on that oh yeah i haven't heard from you in like four days mm-hmm. what the fuck's going on yeah where the fuck are you yeah uh, but you know what i also think the fact that we sleep in separate rooms people isolate a lot like people just go into their room after a hectic call and then you don't see them for a while and you're like right. damn like it would be easier if we all tried to get to the table and talk to each other but be able to show like yes i'm sad like yes i'm angry yeah i'm pissed off like but i think conversations would probably be depending on the person let them i agree let them some, with people, it. some give, people give, do need space give them a minute and then all right now we're going to talk now we can talk about this so yeah i'm like that with anger like i'm like oh, i just yeah. need a second to cool off and then we can talk it out but talking to me while i'm angry is not going to get anywhere mm-hmm. And I do shut down a lot also. That's not a good trait of mine. However, um, I was also going to say that it is important, although we do have peer support, I want you guys to know that you have to speak up also. Because they cannot read your mind. Like, they can't exactly know what you're going through. Yes, they do have some effort in trying to talk to people after big calls and stuff like that but if something's bothering you you have to reach out because you know how many calls do we deal with a day and how many of them like if they try to keep track of you guys it would be a lot so i'm sure on that part you know reach out to those people um overreacting to situations something so small can set you off the edge that happened to my partner and it's I, I get a little snippy oh i'm the same way like i get a little snippy it's crazy because seeing it happen to him i was like whoop that's me <laughs> but mine's more uh mine's more passive yeah i become a smart ass and i just smile hmm. yeah i'm like really that's mm-hmm. what we're having for dinner hot dogs all right <laughs> 
Hot dog. Way to go to be hey, appreciated. There's nothing wrong with hot dogs. Oh. Corn dogs. All right. Tater tots. I should just look at Sonic. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they have my picture on the wall there. Anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> depression. Yeah. And constant anger. Um, I was super thankful that I had my partner there with me that day. And he is one of the best in EMS and it was great to have him there because I was able to process through that with him. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's what I'm saying. Always checking on other people really does make a difference. I feel like helping is like my best way of um, helping somebody else. Talking mm -hmm. to them about them is helps one of the you. best way that helps me. Yeah. Do you think that's because it gets you to open up or is it because you feel like you're helping? Fuck both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like to see people walk away and feel better. Yeah. And maybe I gave them something to be like, oh, I never, you know, I never thought about about it this way. Right. You know. Um, <clears throat> one thing that we didn't really touch on, but that's gonna be a whole episode in itself, is alcohol. Oh yeah. And like excessive drinking. If you catch yourself doing that, it might be because there's some underlying stuff going on there. So just be aware. Most likely there is. And sometimes your significant other, kids, family, friends, whatever, will bring that attention to you. It was with me. Yeah. So they'll be like, hey, you're not acting yourself. This is just a little more than usual what's going on. Right. Um, and don't get me wrong. I have nothing against drinking. It's just sometimes listening to the people around you is important. Right. So. Well. I think this was a good one, Nikki. This was a good one. There's a, before we leave, I know we're going over that hour and on average people fucking have only the attention span of an hour. But I do want to say this. Um, and this was brought to me. I, so I watch um, Andrew Tate mm -hmm. on YouTube and he has a perspective that I was attracted to. But there's just, there's just something in one of his videos mm -hmm. that I was like, but this part is missing and I don't know how to digest all this. And I found a lot of, I found a lot of meaningfulness in what he said. Okay. He said, happiness technically doesn't exist. We can't, we don't really wake up and say, I'm happy today. Mm -hmm. We can search for it. We can we can chase that happiness, but what we're really chasing is contentness. Did we make a change in ourselves? Did we make a change in somebody else? Like chasing happiness is just means if we're chasing happiness, then we're not, or we're going to sulk. Mm -hmm. And what I do want to throw out there, and and I had heard this, and I I really thought about this. Um, hard was somebody had come up to me not in our department but they had come up to me and they're like would you find that you're just making it worse because you're hyper focusing on the emotional aspect of your job and therefore it's going to be more difficult for you to perform at work shouldn't you just try to avoid it at all at all no. costs and well, you're right okay awareness right i know right awareness but i, I said yes and no because of these traits that you mentioned, mm -hmm. alcoholism, these are things that are only going to get worse. And they lead to one road, 
with one door, mm -hmm. with one dead end. Mm -hmm. But there is a point to where tomorrow I may not wake up happy. I mean, fucking shocker. I'm not a morning person. That's besides the point. Me neither. But I may not feel happy tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But I do have to fucking get up. Right. I do have to callous my knuckles a little bit. And I do have to push forward. And there is that part to where whatever is going on with me, there are people that are depending on me. I have a, I don't want to say that, that my crew solely depends on me. We depend on each other. Mm -hmm. But they depend on me as much as I depend on them. My kids depend on me. Sinaida depends on me. And I depend on her. And even though I don't have a fucking smile on my face, I still have to get it because I'm a fucking man. This isn't a man or woman battle, by the way. I'm throwing that out there. And I have to push forward the best way I do, whether I'm happy or not. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I have to take into consideration is the discipline to get my fucking ass up and to push forward. That is not motivation. Right. That's just fucking discipline. That's what I have to do. Mm -hmm. The past like two or three months, I had to spend three hours a day in that room to fucking read textbooks for a, a test. Mm -hmm. Did I think at the end, yeah, I didn't pass the test. I didn't make a list. Was it a waste of time? Fuck no. Nope. My failures are <laughs> Unless. my best fucking successes because mm -hmm. I'm going to fucking learn. I agree. I'm going to fucking learn. And that education was valuable to me because now I see things in a different light that I read in a textbook and I conceptualized and I did all this shit. But I wasn't motivated to read. Mm -hmm. Nobody's really motivated to read. But there's the discipline and there's the things that I have to still continue to achieve if I'm going to show that I'm worthy of that goal, of that end game. And so that person that told me this, it's discipline, bro. Mm -hmm. I'm not sitting here and sulking and marinating in my own shit. I still get up every day. And I just make sure that I don't fucking give up. Right. And I'll tell myself whatever I have to, to do it. I'll tell myself whatever I have to. I have to find one reason. Mm -hmm. That one reason only is just to take that first step forward. And so, yes, we do emphasize on emotions. We do emphasize on feelings. We do emphasize on perspective and how we're processing this. But we're not just stuck here saying, fucking poor me. Mm -hmm. No. We have the discipline to say, hey, we need to put something out there. We haven't put something out in like a month and a half. Right. We need to get back on this. Yeah. Just remember, it's okay to not be okay. Are you okay? And fuck anybody who thinks it's not. Because <laughs> <laughs> life is not easy. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. You're going to have battles. It's not about the battle it's going to be it's about when it's going to happen it's going to happen to everybody yeah. everybody's going to go through it mm -hmm. it's just about when so and Andrew Tate if you guys haven't heard him that guy's a savage motherfucker too is he? I have to yeah. look into him alright guys alright thanks for listening guys alright see care. you in a hear you speak you in a couple of weeks bye